When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Ben Gessling, Minnesota Vikings beat reporter for the Star Tribune. We're two of three. Yeah. The only other guy here is Alec Lewis. He was already on the pod the other day, so I figured I would give him the break. And now you step in to break down Kwesi Adafo Mensa's press conference and much more. Ben, uh, are you enjoying your time here in Indy? I am. The, the fact that I am... Uh, getting old and get tired a lot faster <laughs> becomes, I think, a little more apparent than the last time I was at one of these things. I think it's the first one of these I've done since 2020. And even one night of like five and a half, six hours of sleep is like, oh man, this is uh, going to be a long week. But otherwise, yeah, it's uh, it's 50 degrees. It's supposed to be 70 here tomorrow. So hopefully a little bit of time outside. It's always the worst when you come back from the combine effort. It's yeah. been fairly nice in Indy, and it's like, oh, yeah, our hellscape. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, still icy, there. icy hellscape, yes. of course. Yes. Um, but, yeah, neither one of us are big party guys, but when you arrive, you must go to the JW yep. and see who's around. Yep. So we were perusing and meeting with people last night and things like that, so that's always a good time. Uh, but then they had the 10 o'clock press conference, and, and Kwesi Adafalmenta actually thanked us for being there that early. It yeah. was like, he, he, knew. he knows he knew. the deal with the NFL combine and, and how late you got to be out if you want to peruse. But uh, I thought we learned a lot from Kwesi Adafo Mensa. And I have to tell you, as I was on the flight here, Ben, I was like, I don't know if I'm flying here for a good reason or not. But I really do feel like he let us inside of his headspace for a lot of decisions that they're going to make. Yeah, at least the philosophy of those things, I think, was something he was fairly candid about in terms of what will go into their decisions and, and probably what has gone into a lot of their decisions. One of the things he talked about was this is not new. We don't, we don't look at this and be like, oh, crap, we have $24 million of cap space to clear. What are we going to do? This has been in the works for a while. They've been talking about these things for a while. So you kind of, I think, I'm sure they have a lot of these decisions either made or pretty close to made, and, and you have to fill in some of the numbers as you go. But, yeah, I mean, we heard a lot about his philosophy of you know quarterback contracts involving Justin Jefferson and some of the roster decisions, which I thought was interesting. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, he talked about pretty strongly, saying he wants him back, and, and then just kind of how he goes about the process of possibly having to get rid of a lot of veterans here in the next few weeks, because he's going to have a lot of decisions that are going to reshape this roster for the next couple of years. And yeah, I was fairly honest about a lot of the the things that go into those decisions. I'm going to tell you some of my interpretations, and then you could tell me if you heard the same thing. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. It's, and, this is always the game at, at the combine this time of year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. As uh, by the way, I just saw on Twitter that the Bucks general manager went to the podium and said, you know what? We think Leonard Fournette's going to be in good shape for a couple more years. And then they released them later in the day, man. <laughs> so what was day. the time frame? Like what was the expiration time on those quotes? Uh, not, I mean, couldn't couple have been, hours couldn't have been a couple at most. Hours. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because so, I just saw they released him. I didn't realize he'd said that this morning. And I, I will admit, last year I got got a little bit by Quasi yeah. because I remember talking about the quarterbacks with him. Now, one went in the first round, but I was like, yeah, what do you think of the quarterback class? So, well, you know, I see a lot of good quarterbacks here. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Otherwise, you would have picked one. But uh, let's just play the interpretation game anyway. With Justin Jefferson and the way that he talked about him versus the way that he talked about Kirk Cousins and his future, so much different yeah. for how committal he wanted to be. And I thought that that was telling on both both with a confidence level of re-signing Jefferson this offseason and a not confident level that Kirk Cousins will be here for uh, the long time yeah, horizon, yeah. so to speak. Do yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing you look at there is Justin Jefferson's 23, Kirk Cousins is going to be 35 in August. I mean, it's just going to have a, a different feel. But there has also been this sense at the Combine this week that the days of let's do a one- or two-year deal with Kirk are probably over. I mean, it doesn't seem like that's what Kirk is looking for. And and Kwesi basically said as much this morning. So they they I'm sure want certainty. We want flexibility. I think were the words that he used. And there are different ways to get flexibility, I suppose. But the, the other piece of this is Cousins has typically looked for guaranteed or practically guaranteed deals. Easier to do when it's two or three years, I suppose. But there has been some of that trade-off I think in the past of I'm not going to take a longer term deal but I want the guaranteed money if you're going to look for I don't know another three years are you going to get every dollar of that guaranteed at this point I I think that would be a a tough negotiation I I don't know quite where this will go I, I he talked a lot about the relationship with Kevin O'Connell and wanting that relationship to be strong and you don't want to start somebody from day one that you have just brought into the building but yeah beyond this year it left a lot of things open, and I think the negotiations between Cousins agent and the Vikings in the next few weeks are going to tell us a lot more about what everybody's interest is in extending this and, and on what terms. I apologize if you can hear the background noise. They're fixing a lamp or something. Uh, yeah, it's just me, kind of so been going on for... Uh, it has. Most of this thing, I mean, it's, for, for people that don't see it, most of the Combine, at least from our perspective, is in the world's largest convention center. It, it's like the, the floor you see behind us has not changed and no. I it's been a decade that I've been here and I don't it hasn't changed in that time it's a lot of meeting rooms and in convention hallways we don't really see all that much football and this is the best place to record a podcast yeah as long as that's not happening yeah so hopefully the our mics aren't picking that up too loudly but uh we can hear it. we're not sure if you can yeah to your to your point though about Kirk Cousins when he said like it's you know they might want probably do and we could pretty much guarantee it uh a longer term deal yep, and yep. i can see that from cousin's perspective of looking at his own age and mortality in the nfl and being like how many more years i want to be guaranteed that i have stability if something happens he certainly took a lot of hits last yep, year yep. or if my play declines that i know that i am locked into getting x number of dollars and if you're the vikings now quasi said you can only really project two years out yeah you're like oh I mean, and I agree with them in the NFL. It's very hard to project farther out than that because there's injuries and so much changes in the landscape. But that to me was kind of a definitive comment on like, we can't sign someone like that to that type of deal when they are 35 years old, even if we like them more than anybody else in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think this question of what do we mean by long term is probably going to be a lot of the negotiations. We don't know that sitting here today, but 
in the conversations I've had with Cousins, I don't get the sense that he wants to be Tom Brady. I don't think he's sitting here saying, I'm going to play till I'm 45 years old. So in his mind, long term, maybe three years. Are the Vikings interested in three years? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, if what Quasey said today, that you only project a couple of years, is all that is all that there is to it, maybe that's it. His cousin's interested in only signing until he's 37. I mean, these are going to be the things when you get down to the numbers that are probably going to determine this. We could talk philosophy all day, but it's, hey, are you comfortable with this number at this dollar figure? No, I'm not. Well, what are you comfortable with? Or are we not comfortable with anything? I think those are going to be the things that determine it, and that's going to be known to them and, and his agent and a few others. I do think he was trying to prepare us. I don't want to get too far away from the Kirk conversation, but prepare us and everyone else for the idea that some veterans are not going to be here. And yes. I think that everybody knows that already, but it wasn't like, boy, if you love the Vikings this year, you're going to love them next no, year. It was not. It's the same team. It was very much like, yeah, that's going to be hard. And I don't really like cutting great players, but I think I might have to and things like that. I felt like he was very much living in reality in his comments. Like there are times where you listen to some of these podium sessions and you think, man, if you believe what you're saying right now, you got some problems and they don't often. And sometimes they do and they're completely ridiculous. But I thought he was very realistic with both us and maybe himself in the way that he was talking and saying like, look, you might want to not, not directly, but you might want to prepare yourself for there might be a new quarterback here eventually or there might not be your favorite player yeah. whose jersey yeah. you own. And, and that's that was the vibe that I got. I just don't know which ones it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, the comments about, like, you thank them for the time and you realize that these are people and they commit a lot to it and it's not just numbers on a spreadsheet. I mean, he, he talked about that some and saying, you know, I hope in three or four years we can go, look back and laugh at all of the good times we had and some of these guys might be Ring of Honor players. I, I think that was maybe phrased in a question, but it was to that effect of, I want to stop and acknowledge that these guys have been great players who have done a lot for this franchise, but there have to be changes coming. There's just no way around it. I just don't see any way that they're going to be able to clear the cap space that they have to clear without cutting a lot of very popular players, whether it's Harrison Smith, whether it's Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, uh, Zedarius Smith, I I think Dalvin Cook. I mean, all of these names are going to be in the conversation. Not all of them necessarily, but some. And uh, it is it's hard to see a way for them to make their roster work without some of those things happening. If you were just guessing on which <laughs> players are going to stay or not, Rob Domofsky was, uh, did a double take at that. I don't know if he thought it was funny or just surprising. Ter- terrible, terrible. Mixed reviews. Yeah. Not great. Well, I mean, Quasi Adafalmensa started his thing talking about Banya from uh, Seinfeld. Yes. Like a very yes. deep cut reference. Yes, that was so, a deep cut. You know, I think that uh, I could do a little, joking around myself but no really i mean if if you had to if you had to put it down who do you think uh, from that veteran realm that we've talked about on numerous occasions would be the person or people to be on their way out well i mean dalvin cook i guess is the first name that comes to mind i mean 14.1 million for a running back that had his lowest number of carries per game since i think 2018 when he had a lot of hamstring issues you know that would seem like a a tough price to bring him back at and the question of does he want to restructure his deal to stay in minnesota i think that's probably going to be a little bit of a hard negotiation given the way some of those negotiations have gone in the past with his agent that seems like a a tough sell so i would put him on that list i think i mean guys like thielen and harrison smith you know the, the cap numbers are really high for both of those guys 
they both have a lot of dead money associated with them. And and Smith, do you feel good about the young safeties? Thielen, do you want to eat the dead money? You know, all of those things come into it. I with those guys that make it a little more complicated. But you know, those are the num- those are the names that have the biggest numbers and you have to make some decisions i think pretty quickly and there's a part of me that wants to say like well they'll just restructure because that is literally what they've always done but at the same time they really should stop doing that all the time right like they really they really should at some point for someone like harrison smith or adam thielen just kind of either eat it and and live with the dead money or i mean they're not renegotiating those guys at this point they've got amazing contracts and they're just going to stick with them but I think that the important thing when Quasi Dafomenta talks about having a plan beyond 2023 and having come in with a plan beyond 2023, some of this had to include stop wounding yourself with harpoons every offseason when it comes to the salary cap because you can only push it down the road for so many times. And at the, like this is the year to not do that, I think. Yeah. That they may not feel that way, but I kind of felt that way coming away from it that there has to be some realization that they can't just push all the chips to the middle of the table for this year. I didn't hear, Oh yeah, we're going full Rams from last year. Like he had, you know, mentioned in that article um, from a year ago. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I feel like, and this could be completely wrong, but just my read as you're reacting to my reads was that there is going to be a little bit of a safer approach when it comes to that stuff. And we're not just going to, throw void years and ruin the cap again could be completely wrong it's just how i felt coming away from that yeah and in the the counter to that if they did try to do it as well the cap goes up every year and the tv money is going to start kicking in and after, especially after we get out of this phase where they had to put money back in the salary cap from the COVID years where they lost all of it and they had to kind of make the ceiling go up a little slower to not have to tank the cap the year after COVID when the stands were empty so all of that comes into it but yeah i i think they realize that all of these things they've been doing you you sort of get stuck in in one lane because you're not really able to remake the roster and you have to keep a lot of players around that especially as they get older it may not be worth doing the Thielen one to me is really interesting because the last time they did that deal Quasi Adolfo Mensa was a GM like they did this last year pushed a lot of money into this year and from what I was told at the time it was about let's see if we can get two years for Thielen and Cousins together in this current setting because Cousins was getting a new deal and then we wanted Thielen to be on the same kind of time horizon to use Kwesi's phrase. But the Thielen number is so big and and Thielen has talked about, we've been discussing the possibility of restructuring it. It's, you know, my guess is he probably restructures and stays because I think he wants to, but that's an interesting one to me because in some respects, not completely, but in some respects, this front office made its bed on that deal. This is not one that's left over from Rick Spielman. Yeah, right. You can't look back and like, well, we didn't negotiate the contract. Like Harrison Smith's, they yeah. didn't negotiate yeah. that one. Yep. There's nothing they can do. Dalvin but Cook, that, same but, thing. No, that's a really excellent point. And I, I mean, if you're on Thielen's side, you're okay with that restructure that gives you the same amount of money, but nothing else. I, I think you be, got to be careful about doing the Anthony Barr thing where you push so much money into the future yeah. that whoops, there's, I forget what it was. It's like 8 million last year. Yeah. Dead cat. Yes. I mean, it's just crazy. I think it was 10. It was right. like 9.89 oh, yeah, right. or something. Yeah, it was a lot. You can't have that happen again. Yeah. Not if you're going to have a, a lot of flexibility next year, which is what I think they should aim for, which may be 
very well the last year of Kirk Cousins. So you want, if you're going to do reset after that and draft a quarterback, you want to have all the flexibility to put things around him with your salary cap because right now you're still limited in what you can put around Kirk Cousins. Now with Justin Jefferson, I think one of the the big comments that came out of this was talking about Justin Jefferson being in the loop. Yes. Almost in the same way that most quarterbacks would yes. be as or part of the conversation. Be. Right, right. Too bad Rob left. We could have gotten his take on that. Yeah, Rob Brzezinski, right, who's here as well. But No, uh, I was saying Rob Demosky from uh, oh, Rob that covers Demos- the Packers oh, for right. ESPN okay. in terms of yeah. somebody that may have some insights on quarterbacks that want to be involved in roster building decisions. He may have some experience on that particular uh, topic. Just, just a little from covering the yeah. Packers. Yeah. I thought you meant Brzezinski because he walked by well, us after Quasi was done talking. If he wants to come on, I mean – Rob, if you're listening, we're live streaming. If you're watching it, you probably are. Come over. We're out by the Sagamore Ballroom. We'll be on here for a little bit. So if you got any insight you want to drop on here, we're here. Ben doesn't know it's just recorded. It's not actually live. Okay, well, fine. Forget it. You listen to us later. Give us a call. You know how to find us. We'll do. The, we'll drop all the intel in the next one. We're always in the same place yeah. as the Vikings. So, um, But anyway, so this is kind of LeBron treatment. Of yeah. Like, you are the megastar. And I thought, have you ever seen the movie Say Anything? You ever seen that? I don't think so. I'm okay. familiar you, with it. You're familiar with yeah. the John Cusack holding yeah. up the, yeah, the boombox. Yeah. 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 Well, that was today. Quasi with Justin Jefferson <laughs> yes. holding up the boombox. Anything for you. Uh, you know, I, I but I do think that's very aware of them. Yeah. That, like it's 2023 and this level of a superstar is going to want to be looped in. But if we're if we're playing a little bit of a game, which we do on the show at times, uh, if you're Justin Jefferson, what do you want to hear as you are looped in with Quasi Adafomensa and Kevin O'Connell? You mean specific to the quarterback or specific to things that matter? General? To you? Well, I, quarterback I, I, would seem to matter. Quarterback and your contract yes. are really the two. I, I don't think he cares whether they wear the road whites. Or no, I don't think that's do. a big concern. He doesn't. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I don't think that's a big concern for him, the uniform specifically. Uh, the quarterback thing is really interesting to me because he he was fairly vocal about defending Kirk Cousins last year. But if you told him, hey, we're going to get somebody that's young and dynamic and that's going to be your guy for the rest of your career, I I don't think he would sit here being so heartbroken about that that it would be hard for him to get over that. I mean, the guy played with Joe Burrow in college and and has been around you know a lot of good quarterbacks and certainly has watched a lot of good quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, I, I he's going to play with somebody else at some point. I mean, it's, that's just reality. He's not going to be with Kirk Cousins the rest of his career, I, I think, in all likelihood. So how you manage that transition – I think it's one question. I don't know that he's going to want to be part of something where, okay, you're 25 
and we have somebody in here who's a rookie, and it turns out he's not very good, and your numbers drop, and you're not winning. I don't know that he's going to be crazy about that part of things, but if you tell him, hey, this is our plan, this is our transition, we're going to have Kirk for another year, maybe two, whatever it is, and then we're going to go get somebody else, bring them in, and develop that person underneath Kirk, kind of as we've seen the Packers do with some of their guys, I I would guess that's probably an approach he'd be comfortable with. And, you know, we'll see if they get there. It's a lot to pull that off, but I think that would probably be what they try to sell to him. Well, that was what I was thinking about. If Justin Jefferson wants more of a playmaker, you know, yeah. if, if he wants somebody who's a baller yeah, and, and he brings up LSU all the time. Yep. And, and also, I mean, Quasey mentioned multiple times, Justin Jefferson wants to win most, which I know sounds like a cliche, but if you know that whoever's playing quarterback will throw you the ball, and you know you're getting loads of cash either way. Well, what's left is just yeah. to win. Yes. And this quarterback does not have a huge sample size of winning. In fact, Justin Jefferson still, after three years of his career on his rookie contract, has zero playoff wins. Yeah. Like that has to stick in his mind. And and I agree with you. I'm not putting words in his mouth to say how he feels about Kirk Cousins. But when you watch the playoffs and you see Joe Burrow on fourth down throw into double coverage, or you see Jalen Hurts run, or you see Mahomes make plays, how, if you're Justin Jefferson, can you not look and be like, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio GIF or whatever, like, I I see these guys making plays. Uh, There has to be that in the back of his mind. I don't know if he wants Kirk gone necessarily because he set records with yeah, with that. Yeah, it's but been productive for him. He's also a very aware guy. Like yeah. for someone who's happy go lucky, I think Justin Jefferson is very aware of not only football but also the landscape of football. He cannot have missed what it looks like in the playoffs with the quarterbacks who win. Well, and the fact that he comes from a family, I mean, he was around division 1 like big time SEC football from the time he was 9 or 10 years old. He he has a world a worldliness, I guess, about him that comes from that, I think, where he understands the, how the game is played. He understands, and when I say how the game is played, I don't mean just on the field. Uh, the, yeah, the whole, right. the the whole, whole thing, thing, how the business the works, how all of this stuff happens. I, I think he gets that on a fairly uh, intuitive level, and I think some of that probably comes into it. Yeah, if you said, it's, especially if you found somebody that was able to kind of protect themselves in the sense of not just – okay, I can throw while I've got a guy in my face and then I can pick myself up. A guy that can extend some plays, can keep the sack rate low with his own mobility. I, You know, that's kind of what everybody's looking for. I'm sure he sees some of those things. And he, he talk, I'm sure he talks to Jamar Chase all the time about what it's like in Cincinnati. He obviously knows Joe Burrow well enough that he doesn't need somebody to tell him what he's like. But yeah, I, I'm sure those things are in his mind. And I'm sure at whatever point it happens, that's the type of guy he would like to play with. So my question is, how far does this go with Justin Jefferson's power within the organization? Because there is a limit. LeBron James was the general manager of every single team he played for. And uh, I get that because he's one of the greatest players. Uh, I'm not going to argue about that, but like he's right. top five of all time. Right. There's no yeah. debate about that. You had an all NBA all time team. He's on the he's in the starting five. No question. So that okay, that's that's some power right there. That's Aaron Rodgers in his peak, Pat Mahomes level power. How much do you want to give to a wide receiver? How much do you want to make it feel like he's got that power, but are just telling him what's going on or what? Like this is complicated. I think. Yeah, I think when, that's right. When you tell somebody and the public, us that like Justin Jefferson is a part of these decisions. I guess I wonder about how much of a part of the decision, or is it just here's what we're going to do. 
just so you know, or is it, are you comfortable with this or is it, what do you want? Because yeah, I've, I've those are got, different gradations of that. Right. I had this scenario pop into my brain and I'm not saying this is what will happen, but like if Jefferson said, you know what? I love Kirk. He's my guy. But like, if you guys draft Anthony Richardson, the next day I'll write my name on the dotted yeah. line. Cause he's a baller and that's my guy. Like, are you going, Oh, we better trade up. Or, or are you saying, well, Justin, let's be reasonable. Yeah. Like, I just wonder how how far that goes. That's that's what I was thinking about as Quasi was explaining. Yeah, the track records of players kind of saying, sign this guy. Okay, yes, sir, whatever you want. It's not great. I mean, you, you well, saw. Randall Cobb wasn't amazing in Green Bay. No, I mean, there's some. Yeah, that's the one that comes to mind is him. And I mean, even Rogers talking about it this offseason with you got to keep Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon. It's like all these guys that are not able to run very effectively anymore. I mean, and you've seen that. I, I remember when I was covering the Nationals, they were terrible. They signed Jason Worth to a deal that nobody saw coming. He immediately he went from the Phillies to the Nationals, went from the two-time NL champs to the bottom of the roster. He knew immediately he had more power than anybody in the organization. And it was, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy. Guys like Alex Cora, you know, guys that went on to become managers of, of some notoriety. Um but yeah, there there was a sense pretty quickly of get me this person because this is who I want. And I think when you do that, you are assuming that, well, you'd better be able to assume that the receiver or the player has a pretty good eye for talent. And that's not always the case. So, I mean, he gets it. I think he has an eye for what he wants in a quarterback. But the the let's make the player the de facto GM I think you have to be awfully careful with that, especially in the NFL when there are so many moving pieces. It's not a five-man roster. A delicate dance. That's what it really is. It really is a balance between yeah. letting him know and having him feel comfortable with the plan, the long-term plan of what you're going to do, without saying this organization belongs to you because then if you don't do what he wants, yeah. then he demands a trade and says there are truth to all rumors or something. Yeah. Like, you don't want that. I, um, the thing is, though, I I don't get the sense he's wired that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, true. to whatever extent we know any of these guys, I, my sense has been, you know, probably from his parents, too, that he's fairly I mean, they have not really raised him, at least in the conversations I've had with them, to think you are the most special person ever. You deserve everybody bending to your every whim. I, I don't think that's how he comes at things because I don't think that's how they kind of told him to operate. And that's certainly not how they've done it since he's been in the NFL. There has not been this loud set of demands like you hear from some players, parents at times. And um, I, I don't think he's going to kind of take the nuclear option there. Um, you know, certainly could be wrong. Certainly wouldn't be the first time, but I don't think that's a huge concern with him. It should be brought up because I, I make the truth to all rumors joke. Yeah. But what yeah. was the problem? They didn't communicate with Stefan. Yes. That was the problem. Being down his leg, as he put it. We're in charge. You do what we say. Yes. And we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> I mean, that that approach is so much smarter with Justin Jefferson than how the previous regime handled Stefan Diggs. Now, like all's well that ends well. But that wasn't the right way you want to handle no. it. And they lucked out history. Right. Uh. Another major topic on this is is Brian Flores and his um, just him having a personnel background and all those things. How do you think his presence impacts what they're going to do versus if they had stayed with Ed Donatel? Like, is, is that is it different? Because I feel like it's vastly different as you're reacting to yeah, my take. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's vastly different when you bring him here, how you approach rebuilding 
the defense and how fast do you want it to get better? Because I think that answer is like now. Yeah, well, and that's tough to do when you don't have a second round pick and you aren't going to realistically have enough money to do a lot of major things in free agency. Not that that is always a great fix anyway to spend your way out of the problem. I, I do think they want it to be better quickly. I think they know they need it to be better quickly because, you know, this is a league where, I mean, you won as mid, as quickly as you did. You raised expectations as quickly as you did pretty quickly, pretty soon. And now it's sort of this thing of, well, okay, 13 wins was the standard. If you drop below that to eight or nine, okay, now you've stepped back and you're heading into year three and you start to say, well, all right, when is this going to come together? So I, I think O'Connell knows he needed to get this one right, which I think means Flores is going to be given the ability to do a lot of what he would be doing as a head coach. Now, remember, too, like he had head coaching options and he chose to come here. So I, I think he's going to have enough influence, enough pull in these decisions that both because they need a defensive expert that's going to help turn this thing around quickly and because he has been a head coach and may get a chance to do that again. I think he's going to have a fair amount of latitude there. And I think, I think they know they need it because you have to get this thing fixed awfully soon, or a lot of people are going to have a lot bigger concerns than they do sitting here on February 28th, 2023. You've been very good in the past at picking who the Vikings are going to pick. It's a real talent of yours. I was better. I was Spielman. Yeah, I yeah. missed it last year. Well, that's but what I, I guess we say. all did. Right, that's what I was gonna say. It's like, but you know, unpredictable. With Brian Flores here, though, I really feel like it's going to be easier to figure out. Cornerback has to be at the top of this yeah. list, right? Is there yeah. any? Is there any? I mean, maybe pass rusher, but of those two positions, and it will matter. Uh, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith situations. Right. right. It just feels like as soon as you hire that guy cornerback is where all lasers get set for all the mock drafts and i think that everyone who does that is probably right yeah i mean it's it's a, such an obvious need because patrick peterson is 32 years old and you could bring him back but this is typically a scheme that plays more man coverage and patrick peterson by his own admission was better last year with a zone scheme because it didn't require him to run around as much as it used to so if he's back that gives you one but probably with a few asterisks on that. And then you have the other corners under contract right now are Cameron Dantzler, Andrew Booth, and a Caleb Evans. That's it. So there, is there anybody in there that you feel like, okay, we can just roll with this and we're completely confident that this can work in 2023? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know how you could, both for health reasons and I think with Dantzler, is he going to figure it out? So, and I, I don't know that this group believes terribly strongly in him maybe brian flores has a different take on that i got the sense at the end of last year that that was not a guy they were factoring into their plans in a terribly major way anymore so that has to be a need maybe you bring the duke back i mean that could be part of it but yeah you have to address that position pretty quickly because there's just not a lot of certainty with the group you have even though they've invested in a couple of day two picks in it last year i would be surprised almost surprised if they didn't offer Duke Shelley a contract yeah, to come back I think that's probably as, right. as depth, but certainly not an answer. He's more of just somebody who's there. And I agree on Cam Dantzler that if one coaching staff has a problem with you, maybe it was them. If two coaching yeah. staffs have yep. a problem, then it's you. And two defensive coaches that made their bones in the league with defensive backs. Right. Mike Zimmer and Ed Donatel, you know, say what you want about them as head coaches or defensive play callers. But 
the reason they rose to those stations is because they did great work with defensive backs. So if there's any position they know, it's that one. And if there's any reason for them to say, eh, not feeling this guy at that position, it's like, yeah, we, that may be worth listening to. Right. I mean, Mike Zimmer was wrong about some stuff, but he's yeah. not wrong about corners. Very not very often. often no. no, not no. very often. Um, what, what else stuck out to you from this? Cause I, I think that on the Delvin Tomlinson bit, it's just obvious that they want him back. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you would have done the, the move the void date if that wasn't the case. I mean, I thought that campaigning for him to come back was yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Like again, the same sort of thing, like Delvin, we love you. I'll teach you how to store your shoes or something. I forget yeah. something about the shoes that, uh, something, I something didn't quite catch it. Uh, middle aged podium. White dudes probably didn't quite understand. At yeah, least to well, the degree also, that we might otherwise. I have like one pair of shoes. Yeah. You're looking at them if you're on yeah. YouTube. I mean, that's it. So yeah, I've, I've, I would not, I'm certainly not a sneakerhead. The the no. collection of running shoes, I, I've gone a little bit off the deep end with that, but like that's not what we're talking about here. No. We're, we're, no. we're not talking about dunks. We're talking about $250 racing shoes. We're talking about more stylish gentlemen than us. Yes. Uh, but the point is that. being that Kwesi was kind of talking about wanting Delvin Tomlinson to return, but I don't think there's a hot take to be had there. It's like, I probably wouldn't do that. I understand why they would. It spreads out the cap. He's a pretty good football yeah. player. Unless that's exciting to you, what else you got? Like, what else stuck out to you from our conversations with him aside yeah. from that? Well, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to run through my head of, of the other stuff he talked about in his side session because that was probably a little more germane to the conversation. You know, he, he talked a little bit about, um, you know, kind of, I guess, getting used to the pace of the job, which I, he was fairly honest about, you know, a year ago, it was like, I have, you know, my head is swimming and, and now it feels a little more doable. But he also kind of said this thing of like, I know I'm going to make some decisions that I'm not going to be terribly popular with certain players. I, I, he seemed to understand the weight of the decisions he's going to make in the next few weeks. And he talked a little bit about the fan base too, kind of getting a sense of, of the kind of the mood of the fan base of just how starved they are to win. And he said, that's kind of driving how I feel about doing this job, you know, kind of understanding that people really, really, really want to see a deep playoff run in a Super Bowl appearance for the first time since Jimmy Carter was the president elect and above all things want to see a Super Bowl championship. So, yeah, I mean, I think some of that stuff was interesting. Just the sense of, he knows that the next few weeks are, I mean, he's talking about how I want to be remembered. I mean, this, the, how I want to do the job and, and all of this kind of stuff. It, it was weird to hear a GM that's been on the job for 12 and a half months, 13 months, whatever it is, kind of talking about legacy a little bit. Um, that, that, that was interesting to me and the kind of the jokes he made about if I get myself fired. I mean, you know, all of that stuff was, was a little more meta than I thought we were going to go. I, I, well, that, no, you're right about that, that there was like a sort of a big picture thing. And I know that Quasey thinks on a, a very deep level, yes. of pretty much everything. Yes. I mean, when you ask him about anything, yep. he's going to think deeply about it, including us joking around with him about Seinfeld and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, he's, he's going to have some sort of take on that that goes beyond just like, oh, that was a funny joke. Cause it's just the way that he thinks, but where that it did stick out to me as well is when he was introduced. He had a comment that kind of made me chuckle and probably you did too, yeah. where he said like, oh, you know what? If we lose, I'm not even going to be upset because I know that our process was good. And 
I think that that tune is very different from what we just heard because it was like this, when you're the GM of a team and it, it's yours, it becomes like part of your soul. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that he's really got that. And it's so hard. Like, that's why these guys look like they've aged a lot yes. of times yes. through these jobs. And I, I think that's, I mean, that's what Vikings fans would want to hear. It's like, he is not just the financial guy that shows up here and is like the office space consultants or yeah, something. Yeah. What exactly is it that you do here? Uh, although there have been players we've wondered that about in the past <laughs> yeah. and maybe even staff some members, assistant coaches as well. Uh, but um, <laughs> I won't say who we mean, but yeah, no, uh, this, I, we could be talking about a few people, but we should stop. I think we probably know exactly the same <laughs> yeah, person, but yeah. we'll just move on yeah. anyway. So the point just being though, that, like it's clear that he's kind of growing up in front of our eyes as a GM that a first time GM takes on so much right away. And then throughout the year, it becomes truly your job. And now this, this is his now. Yeah. It's not, you inherited something and you're trying to work with it. It's like, it's like when you buy the used car and you're still trying to kind of figure out how to put it in gear. Yeah. And after a year, it smells like you like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is now for him. I think that's a good observation. Yeah. The ability to say, not my problem is gone. I mean, it's it may be unfair, especially when there's still salary cap stuff that has to get worked out, some of which was here from the previous regime. But I mean, you've been on the job for a year, especially after you win a division title. It's not this thing anymore. Where you can say, look at how much we've improved. It's if you don't win, well, what happened? And then year three, kind of like we're talking about is, OK, you guys better start to figure it out or else we're going to start thinking about the people that are going to replace you. So yeah, it seems like he has grasped the gravity of the job and uh, kind of all that goes into that pretty quickly. Yeah, he even talked about like talking with other GMs about his yeah. problems and yep. being like, oh, OK, now you actually get it. And yeah. speaking of which, I brought this up because I was listening to a podcast with Thomas Dimitrov uh, on with Eric Eager and their show. And Thomas was talking about the franchise tag and how in the past he had been criticized. He brought up like Mike Florio and, you know, like all oh, the criticized for certain franchise tags. And he talked about how complicated everything is. Yeah. Like there's the locker room element. But one thing he brought up was ownership. So I mentioned that to Quasi that I had been listening to that, and like the ownership element. And I just asked him, like, I didn't want to say, are they telling you what to do? Yeah. Because <laughs> that would not have gone very far. No. But I just asked him, like, how is that communication grown? And he went into a lot of detail. I mean, talked about talking with them on a daily basis yep. and building his relationship and understanding how they see the world and how like they view things in longer time horizons, mm -hmm. which keeps on coming up. What did you make of that answer about the Wilfs? And I wonder, like, are are we seeing just based on that answer? Yeah. Like a, a more connectedness between him and them as opposed to you're doing what we want because we just hired you. Yeah. Which was last year. I think that is in an ideal world, that's what you want. Yeah. Is Quasi influencing their thinking yes. on how they should view the long term of this. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. It just sounded like maybe, but you're never going to say, oh, yeah, I don't know. We haven't talked in months about your owners. Right. I just wonder what you made of that answer. Well, it was interesting because he kind of told this story about Ziggy looking up at the roof of the ceiling of U.S. Bank Stadium. And and I thought and I asked it because he kind of trailed off and went down a different kind of anecdote so i asked him what was he looking at in the roof i said he's already thinking about improvements to the stadium because it's already seven eight years old are we are we going there he said no it was kind of how they built the thing and he was kind of almost appealing to them as he's like i, I like being around creatives i like being around kind of people with vision uh, it almost felt like 
I'm draft a, a quarterback. I'm That's what it's saying. That's what it your, means. Your your ability to see a long term process through, and why wouldn't you think that way about your football team? It, it almost felt like if you want to read it that way, in terms of if that was an example of managing up, or at least trying to. And he talked a lot about setting expectations, and and I need to be. A lot of it is I will always be honest. I'm not going to mislead anybody about what I think we can be. If there's a problem, let's look at it and address it and fix it together. But I'm not going to pretend there's not a problem. That felt maybe a little bit to me of, guys, we need to take a longer view of where this can go rather than trying to do patch jobs a year at a time. Because that has been the story with the Wolves. There's never been a long-term commitment to saying let's build a young foundation without kind of, I mean, they did it with Rick Spielman. They drafted a lot of guys in the first round, 2012, 2013, 2014, et cetera. But it was still signing a lot of free agents. It was signing guys like Greg Jennings. It was signing veteran quarterbacks at times in the midst of all of those things, Donovan McNabb, Matt Castle, and you kind of go back and some of those are stop gaps, but you were not ever fully committed to, Let's just let the kids grow and play and kind of go from there. So, you know, maybe there was a little bit of that. Maybe I'm projecting and there wasn't anything there. But if you want to take a comment like that and try to peel back some layers, that might have been where it was going. I like that interpretation a lot, actually. I I really do. I like that because that was the main thing. It's sort of like um, that seems like a thing that psychologists would do to someone is why don't you compliment Ben and then I'll uh, evaluate what you're saying about yeah. yourself by yeah. complimenting Ben. Or something, the thing, you know? the things that I value. Yeah. I mean, it's like you hear about love languages and marriage. It's like the, the things that I value are not necessarily the things that my spouse values. So I tend to bring out the things that I would appreciate somebody doing for me. So, yeah, you maybe there was a little bit of that. I don't know. It's a projection, really. Like, maybe maybe big... we're uh, in. I mean, he was he did his. Side session on the couch. Maybe we're making him get on the couch a little too much here. I don't know. but I don't think there's any level too deep. I say this about training camp, too. You know how I say there's no rules in training yeah, camp? Yeah, yeah. If you want to write a feature on the fourth string center and talk about how he's the next guy, you do We've it. We've all got space to fill. Because there is a lot of training camp practices. Yep, yep. So you write about that, man, and you have no regrets. That's the Chad Graff rule when he wrote the big <laughs> feature on Jordan Taylor. And we're like, Chad, Jordan Taylor's not making the team. Like, well, it's training space. Camp. what do you want from yep. me? Yep. Uh, so we've all been there, but I think the same thing goes for speculation at the NFL combine that anything is on the table. But I think that I like that interpretation of a little bit of projection to like, they see the bigger picture here yeah. of what we're talking about of it's not just a next year. Can we win? But the, how are we going to win over the next three, four years? Yeah. Uh, maybe there is something like that. It's kind of like how people, think that their pets sort of have the same personalities as themselves, like describe your pet. Yeah. But maybe the same thing of like, we all see the bigger vision here, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that could be, that could be wrong, but I like that interpretation uh, overall. Now, were you thinking as a journalist of your overdramatic, can we make fun of Alec for this? I work for the <laughs> athletic lead. Quasi Adafo stood next to, Ziggy Wilf, and they looked up at the roof, and they saw the long-term roster of what it could be together. I will that get your subscription? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're going with. Too with in the, the weeds. The no, I get, I get you. I get what you're saying. The like, I, I'm 
it's I think journalism school they talk about is literary journalism. The I'm painting it a picture as though I was there based on quotes I got later, even though I wasn't there. Which some you know you do that sometimes. But yes, there that has been a a, a tactic that some employ at times, and I've done it. I've done it. At oh, times for too. sure. We all do yeah, it. Yeah, you always do it. And it's um, it's not a it's a good literary tactic at times but that comment was much more for you than me or, yeah. or, or than the audience much more just for you yeah like inside it was, baseball. A little, it was a little inside for but. sure but uh let me ask you this though last last thing i didn't realize how much me messing around had like how long this has gone but um <laughs> <laughs> but andrew's coming to relieve you at some point andrew kramer so yes uh, we will have a day together tomorrow because you know what would the star tribune's vikings coverage be without us flexing how many people we have it's sometimes almost, almost to excess yeah we have gophers too gophers. we have we have several gophers so he is he is coming tomorrow we will have one day together and then he is uh in the weeds with all of the prospects and he kind of plays the type he you know he's going to go talk to the guards about well, the gopher center about you know who he how he's climbing up the draft prospect list and if he's, he's better in a zone scheme or a gap scheme you know, off, off, getting wonky with the offensive lineman is more Andrew's thing. Trying to figure out the big picture meaning of somebody staring at a ceiling, probably a little more mine. Yeah, so you us, know, we all yeah. find our we all play to our types. What do you think they're gonna do with the 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 big question of the off season is what's the direction? Yeah, yeah, I think they are going to begin the process of shifting this thing in a different direction. I I think. I don't think it all happens at once. I don't think it's like trade cousins, cut all the veterans, burn it down type stuff. But I think you are going to see them get rid of several veterans. I think if they do something long-term with cousins, they will give themselves the ability to maneuver out of it in a couple of years. If they decide they want to go in a different direction at quarterback, I think they know that there's a lot that needs to change and it just, it doesn't make a ton of sense to wait around forever because if if you add and I keep saying it, but if you add a eight and nine season to this, you're already in year three, and you're already sitting there saying we haven't won a playoff game, we had one at home, we lost it, we didn't make the playoffs, we don't know what our long term future looks like in a few spots. I I just don't think they have as much time. I mean, it's weird because they've been here for a year, but I think and I think they know this that you don't have as much time to get it right in the NFL and build the foundation that you want to build as you might think when you first get hired. I mean, everybody, when they do those first press conferences, it's, oh, this is going to be a 10 year thing and it's going to be this beautiful marriage and everything's going to be great. And we're going to win championships and everybody's going to get along forever. That is not that common. And I think both of these guys are clear eyed enough to know that. So I, I think they get it that this has to start to, I mean, they the run it back for five, six years without any mitigating factors. I just, I don't think it's going to go that way. Uh, you are a former baseball writer. I'll use a baseball cliche. It's getting late early. Yeah, like, sure is. Because Yogi Berra. If, if you have a first round out, no one remembers that you won 13 games. Right. They remember that you got beat by the Giants, who were not that good of a team. Right. And then you At go, home. like you said, then you go eight, nine. And if you still have the same quarterback after that, after you're right, like, how can you? Yeah. And how can and also at some point you have to make it your roster. Yep. Totally a hundred percent completely. And them 
you know, just eliminating the 2021 draft class made some progress toward this. Yeah. But what you're looking for as a GM is like 90% of the roster is yours. Yeah. And then you kept the good parts from before and that's where you go. And it, it's your whole thing. And it ties into what he said about like now having it in his blood to be the Minnesota Vikings general manager and what that means. Like, okay, but now make it yours. It was not yours last year make it yours. And I, I agree with you. I, I think they want to do that, but I don't think it's going to be radical, No, but I think it will be a quote process yeah. of making it to that place, which probably is 2024. Yeah. And you're going to see, I think them take more steps towards, cause they just didn't take those steps last year. Yeah. I mean, really it was, let's keep it the way it was. And we all kind of thought, well, okay, how much of that is a directive from ownership of what they're being asked to do? It, you know, we have probably not, gotten a full answer to that question i don't know that we ever will but you know that was i think a, a reasonable educated guess as to last year i don't think we're going to be in that same spot when the 90-man roster for training camp is complete i don't think it's going to look exactly as it did last year i think they know that i think they understand that there's just no way around that i agree ben gessling star tribune you can read his work in the newspaper you can. Yeah. Or on they'll, our website. But yeah, newspaper's good too. But they'll deliver it to your home. They will. It's a, it's amazing service. Yeah. It's uh, uh, if you want it. Yeah. Mine yeah, we had a Sunday paper, there was snow on the doorstep. What you know, all the snow this weekend. It was, I had to take one step outside to grab it and all the news that's fit to print was right there for me. Remarkable stuff. Uh but great to have you on. Yeah, I right? always get fun. together and break down all yes. of these things and uh share a couple inside jokes. You always lead the league at inside jokes. I do like to make deep cut jokes on these things. At once upon a time you were leading the pod and I was the yep. side person yep. and you always did that. So I feel like it's kind of an homage yes. to the old purple podcast yes. days from yes. 2016. Yeah, we so. probably went even deeper cuts with the inside Probably jokes back too then. far right so yeah it's uh, one of those things where like nobody's gonna get this but we did so what the heck anyway well uh enjoy uh some high velocity at the jw or whatever you're planning on tonight uh as we always do yes i'm sure combine. we'll be there so thanks for yeah we will for sure so all, <laughs> all right thanks for all of your time and uh we'll get together soon man thanks sounds good this.